My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. Well, 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 it is Wednesday, September 11th, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 272. My bags are packed and I'm on my way to Kellogg. My name is Caleb Haig. City named after the cereal company. I'm Rob. <laughs> oh, my word. I got a dub. I got you double in my headphones and I'm not sure That's why. there's two of me today. Let's see here. Let's see if I can be in my doppel. That's not it. Let's see here. Hang on just a sec, people. Let's see if I can figure this out. The chat room's already having a lot of fun. I love when the chat room has fun. Um, Wirecast. Okay. Mute, mute. I don't want to mute that. Hmm. I'm not allowed. Say something again there. Something again there. Okay. I got you. Done. Okay. I like the name of the show, Caleb. (laughs) Let's rest on it. (laughs) Yeah. I do it again. I better get my Bible program open here. Ah, wait. Hey, Jason, Jason says he missed us. We missed you too, Jason. All right. So check this out. This is what's going on. And let's, we got a lot to get to, uh, to be completely honest with you. Um, let's bring our producers up first and foremost. Um, I'm leaving and going on a vacation for my wife's birthday starting tomorrow. We're going to be gone for three days. Well, three days, three work days. Um, so that's going to be fun going over Rob's way. And then, uh, I get back, I will have two days, two work days, and then I leave and go to Ontario, Canada. And that's going to be interesting. I'm going to try preaching in a way I've never tried preaching before. So that'll be fun. Don't do it. Do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. Um, (laughs) uh, that's okay though. We'll, we'll see. It could be, I could totally bomb it. You're not going to bomb it. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Jared Wilson died. Very unfortunate. I don't know. Anyone who's on Twitter and or on uh, Facebook knows and and has any kind of a and follows anybody, you know, in the Christian world already knows what I'm talking about. Jared Wilson was a uh, 30-year-old pastor down in California. I didn't know who it was until it was in the news today. Uh, so I have no clue. Yeah, I interacted with Jared a couple of times. He wrote a book uh, a couple of years back called G- Jesus Swagger. You know, he was he was a this much I can say for Jared. He was just a, a very kind and gracious person. The only re- way that I know that is because of our interaction. And uh, we chatted a couple of times. He was just very very kind to me, and uh, could, I could hear his sincerity. He uh, he was very open about struggling with uh, with mental health issues. Uh, was open about his depression, left behind a wife and two children. Yes. Very unfortunate. Um, 
Yeah. What else is in the news? What else is going on? Did you say did uh, did anybody else? Okay, so I posted this on uh, on my my blog's Facebook page on GrowingMessiah.com's uh, Facebook page. Do you see this thing that Benny Hinn supposedly repented, and then uh, uh, Jordan yeah. Peters Jordan Peters just excoriated him, which I mean, I, Peters is I think absolutely on point, but whatever. Um, anyway, th- those are the things in the news. Give us a call on our comment line, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. Also, make sure to write us an email, chegatoryresource.com. It's chegatoryresource.com. For those who don't know, for anyone who uh, hears this and thinks to themselves, boy, these guys should read Galatians or something like that, like the comment that we got on our YouTube page this morning, well, go to torahresource.com. This show is brought to you in part by torahresource.com. And Torah Resource has all sorts of wonderful resources, including a 283-page commentary with 57 audio lectures on the book of Galatians. Yes, we have read it before, and yes, we love that book. And that's actually what uh, Rob's going to be preaching on in Ontario. You got mm-hmm. three three sessions, I think five and a half hours, of pure Galatians. Pure. Pure Galatians. Are you ready for it? Oh, yeah. I just I've got to trim it down. I mean, if your dad did... 57 hours of lectures. <laughs> How many? So I'm pre- I, I got three lectures. I'm preaching. Uh, 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 my titles are, is the, Trini- is the Trinity Biblical? That's my first lecture, which will probably carry over into my second lecture. And the last two is Gospel to the Nations. That's the name of it. And I'm, yeah. Anyway, I have 27 pages, eight and a half by 11, written. That's a lot. It is a lot. I have four and a half hours. I don't know if I can fit 27 pages, written pages. Because, you know, when you, I never pre, I've never preached like this before in front of a, a conference where I've written out my, my lecture and then preached it. Normally, I just have points and I preach the points and talk about it as I go through. So I, I'm a little nervous about how this is going to work. Anyway, okay. Let's go to stuff that we actually have prepared. Ready for it? This uh, was something that was sent to me by Rob the other day. Mary, a picture of Mary in a Greek Orthodox church, was crying. Tonight we met people who came here to Holy Trinity Church to pray, donate, and see for their own eyes what appears to be a painting of the Virgin Mary weeping. I can't explain why she's tearing, but I do know that um, as human beings, we usually uh, cry for two reasons, either joy or sorrow. Sunday morning, Father Nick Jonas says something extraordinary happened. Our young caretaker runs into my office and asks me, and actually she was very excited, okay, come, come, come. The caretaker pointed to a painting of the Virgin Mary. Now, hang on just a second. I want to stop right here. I will admit, it looks like water has dripped down the picture. It looks like tears, admittedly. Okay, now let's keep going. And what looked like tears streaming down her face. She's with us and protecting us, no matter what is happening in our lives. Okay, now this shows blatant idolatry, right? 
Well, it's Catholicism, right? Oh, well, no, no, this it's is Greek Orthodox. This Greek, is Orth Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodox. Um, but even then, I mean, uh, come on, people. Mary is not watching over you and protecting you. God is. Yeah, where in the Bible do we ever see? I mean, it, it, wasn't this all wrapped up in the iconoclast debates? Anyway, uh, you know. Where in the Bible does it say that that uh, Mary is first omniscient, but second that she protects? Now, don't don't get me wrong. I certainly don't want to uh, to disrespect, uh, you know, Yeshua's earthly mother. I, certainly not. But the point is, is that the the Bible does not speak of her in this way. Okay, let's keep going. Amazing is the only word I can I can say. Parishioners wonder if the unexplained phenomena is something divine. Some are saying, well, there's still hope. Some are saying she's weeping because we're going to lose our church. Okay, and this is Rob's point. Rob, you make the point because it was such a good point. Go. Well, they don't know what it means. <laughs> there's no interpretation. It's a sign of so what? There's, there's <laughs> two steps is you have an icon of Mary... Right. Up high, right? And the icon in Greek Orthodox tradition is a a kind of um, representation of the presence of that saint. Um, and just like guarding and protecting, like the one person said. But now this is being understood as a sign now from the heavenly realm, I guess. Um, but... They don't know what it means. They can't agree on what it means. Is she happy or is she sad? Or both? Are they going to lose and, the church or are they going to keep the church? Yeah, they don't, so, so basically, after they've seen this quote-unquote sign, nothing, nothing has, changes. Nothing changes. They don't know anything new. Except have, it's rallied them together. It's evoked a, a spirit of like unity and belief in God's protection of them through this I was talking mother to, of God, the mother of God. I was her. talking to Mike in the office here the other day about the same kind of thing. And he was saying, you know, the same thing happened with the blood moons. Like what, what is the blood moons a sign of? If you ask the people who were really big into like the blood moons, what is, you know, it's supposed to be a sign in the heavens. Okay. What's it a sign of? Well, no one could give you a straight answer, but as soon as the blood moons happened, then they turned on the news to see what the sign was. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Watch the news. Whatever it's is since, happening it, now, that's what it was a sign of. So it's not actually a sign. Because a sign would tell you, like, aha, that, look, the, the star in the sky that, that the Magi came and saw, and they what, it, what happened? They came and they said, we saw the Messiah's star. Where's the king been born? They saw in the heavens this quote-unquote sign, and they, and they knew what it meant. It wasn't like, right. oh, there's a sign in the heavens. We have no clue what it means. Let's go figure it out, you know, in exactly. Jerusalem. Exactly. Uh, so. Okay. Well, well that know. was fun. <laughs> uh, let's keep going. Uh, but, oh, yeah. You know, people, here, here's one thing my wife and I were talking about this morning. Enthusiasm for something is completely different than having discernment about something. Because we were talking about someone we know is yeah, no doubt. reading a, uh, a book that they're really excited about. About It's a sensationalist biblical prophecy kind of thing. 
and and how it changes someone's attitude to be and I remember like back in the 90s with the Y2K thing and I knew people that were like oh it was all going to end man yeah and it was like it was like people were getting rallied together around it you know there was a sacred name movement that was taken off there was a uh what they call the Ephraimite you know two house kind of thing um, all these things were coming together with this, you know, and, and rude coming around saying that Yeshua is coming back in that year, all this kind of stuff. And you'd have people getting together and they were, ha- you know, it's like, yeah, you know, people were really excited. And so there was a lot of enthusiasm, but zero discernment, right. zero discernment. And that made me think my wife's like, not a lot's changed. <laughs> she's like, it reminds me of selfies. And I'm uh-huh. like, you're so right. Where people die taking a selfie. And so I got on the internet you, and I realized you're have that to over, explain that to me. I had no clue. What the, that meant. So a selfie is when, you know, people who have smartphone, you like aim the phone back at you and you take a picture of yourself with a friend or maybe, you know, some kind of mountain in the background or whatever. And so you but over the last six years or seven years, it apparently, according to what I looked at, over 250 people worldwide have died taking a selfie that means their last thing was i and you wonder what they're thought oh man that was dumb or or do they know you know taking a selfie and so it's like well what is going on there well their their drive for this enthusiasm of wow i'm gonna take a selfie right now is completely uh isolated or divorced from from any sense of discernment of of safety and preservation of, of life. And, and it shows that humans, we can do that. We can be so enthusiastic for something, so do you, but do get you rallied out that, that we're driving off a cliff or something and we don't. Do you think it's, it, a, do you think it's, uh, enthusiasm for self involvement or do you think it's enthusiasm of being recognized by others? Here's, here's my thought. Tell me what you think on this in terms of away from the selfie thing, but back to biblical. I know it's like, okay, someone's living their life. They say, yeah, I love God. I read my Bible, but I feel like I'm just kind of stuck. Like spiritually, I'm just kind of like stagnant, you know, and I'm, I I just, every day is kind of the same. And I, I don't really, it's like, I wish I need something new in my faith. You know, I need something a little more, there could be more, you know, and that's the person who's there. That's the target audience. That's the warm market for the sensationalist preachers. And what they do is they come and package a really good looking, um, uh, idea that has a lot of appeal and sensational flair and sizzle. And then it, what it does, it galvanizes some of those people to go, this is what it is. And and for a moment they have this thrill of uh, extra enthusiasm like a little drug, shot of drugs or something, like a caffeine boost, I don't know. And they're excited about this thing. And then they jump into it and that that they connect with other people that are excited about that same thing. Well, that doesn't, just because that's happening, doesn't mean there's discernment. As a matter of fact, I would say that most of the time when there's that kind of thing happening, there is no discernment. Right. And by discernment, I mean that the healthy perspective that actually um like with the blood moons you know the blood moons was a big one 
You know, people never thought to go, oh, actually, does the Bible ever say that a blood moon is an eclipse? How do we know that a blood moon is what they're what these people are calling a blood moon? I mean, there's no evidence in the Bible. That's like one thing right off the bat. <clears throat> so we don't know that biblically. So so there's a there's a leap. The very first idea but don't you that think a blood that... loom is a blood moon is an eclipse is a leap. And then and then you go from there and there and look at what these guys are doing. And then they're on to some new thing. Like we did the recording, remember the the guy talking about the iron, uh the seventy, right? And you know, making all this money and then moving on to another city. That kind of thing, sadly, is is what I'm talking about. It's it's someone comes, they they hype everything up. They everybody gives puts some money in the hat and then they just move on to another city and no one is there to stand up and say what you're teaching is wrong. OK, but you know what? Hang on just a sec. I mean, I've been trying to say this for a long time and, and everybody cries foul. But I think that the, essentially what you have with the Hebrew Roots movement is 100 percent of what you're talking about. Basically, you had this one great biblical epiphany, which was, oh, wait, you know. Maybe we should be resting on the Sabbath, you know, like maybe, maybe the, maybe it's not nine commandments. Maybe it's actually 10 commandments, right? Which kind of blossomed into some other very interesting and good and biblically sound theology, <clears throat> right? And this, then it went lunar. Well, you know, yeah, but then this sparks what is like, okay, Hebrew roots movement, maybe whatever. And almost instantaneously, it's like the drug fix dies down. Like people, oh, yeah, we keep the Sabbath. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we've really been learning a lot from keeping like Passover and stuff like that. But, but it's like, oh, the high isn't there anymore. And this is like late 80s. Yeah. Late 80s, right? I'm like six, seven years old at this point. And all of a sudden, it just turns into nonsense. It turns into where can we get the next high? And so you're getting, you know, word we, pictures, word uh, pictures, how to pronounce the name at, at symbol. Yeah. 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 Lunar Sabbath, the canon, canon, Talmud, uh, all things Jewish are right. Kind of a thing. Kabbalism seeps in. All of a sudden you got people like Itzhak Shapira going around saying that Yeshua's Metatron full on. I mean, full on false gospel heresy. Right. And then, and, and people are like, oh, well, you're, you're awfully, you know, they say to me things like, well, you're awfully critical of the Hebrew roots movement. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, you're part of the Hebrew roots movement. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think the Hebrew roots movement is off in La La Land. I do. The Hebrew roots movement needs to learn Hebrew. <laughs> no doubt. That's the problem. The Hebrew roots doesn't have Hebrew roots. They don't. They, they invent their own. The latest is, you know, all these, yeah, Yahusha, all these names that they have invented. But the funny thing that is that all based comes, on English. It's you know, all. In you know English. where that comes from, though. That all comes from Lou White, and that's and Lou White bases it all on two Babylons, right? And the funny thing is, is that that's not even like, that's not even like, that's like eighteen hundreds. Yeah. That's not Hebrew roots. That's like. I mean, what is the age of of the eighteen hundred? This is this shows my my ignorance. Is Andre Therrains is his uh, is his uh, presentation available for people? Yeah, Andre did an awesome uh, presentation on. I think he did it on the that author. As a matter of fact, he went 
he went like to the UK. Scotland. He went to Scotland. He went to Scotland to research <clears throat> at the local, like that guy's church. And I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, yeah. Alexander uh, Hislop? Yeah. Is that who it is? Yeah. yeah Alexander Hislop. The, yeah. it, well, it, here's the thing is that, pe- you know, and then people got really upset at, at us when we when we came out against sunburned by 119 Ministries. Oh, how dare you? Of course, Christmas is pagan, all these kind of things. I have no problem with you saying that Christmas is pagan. What I have a problem with is when people say Christmas is pagan and then they pull out two Babylons, which has been proven time and time and time and time again to be false. If you get yeah, it, don't, like, don't, don't make don't, stuff up. Don't peddle a lie because because you're trying to make a point that something's true. You exactly. Know? So, is my is okay, hang on just a sec. Let's see. We're here. going off here, man. I'm trying to see if my uh my audio and my video is matched. Okay. Well, since we're off in the weeds and th- we still haven't even talked about any I have like three pages of notes of stuff that we could get to today. We haven't even touched them. Um <clears throat> but so I was uh our congregation was at my house last week. And uh, one of our, one of our regular, you know, one of our congregants, I don't know what they kind of, you know, one, one of our brothers in the Lord came in and he was like, dude, he's Ukrainian and he's probably in the chat room too. He, he came in and he was like, dude, my brother came over today and he was like, you got to hear this song. I love this song. It's this Russian guy. And he started playing, playing it for me. And I realized I've heard this song before. In fact, I know it from your show. <laughs> and I was like, really? What song is that? Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. Yeah, the background music for that is actually a Russian guy. The la 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 guy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm up on my my Russian singers. Yivas. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's keep going. What do we got? Well, our, we're called. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? Let's rest on it. Is yes. that our topic? Okay. Yeah. Let's. Well, before we do that, I have to clarify something. Last week, I put out a video, a short video called. Actually, it wasn't last week. It was the week before. We took last week off. We took off. Uh, uh, I was. We were talking about Rome. I don't. It was a passing comment. Who is Israel? Right. We were talking about who is Israel. I was talking about Romans eleven. What is the root versus the tree? And somebody commented and said, okay, I'm very confused. Can you explain what the tree is if the root is is Israel? Okay, I misspoke, and I, I need to clarify this. I misspoke. The tree is Israel. The root is God's promise to Abraham. So the tree is Israel, and the natural branches are those who are ethnically Israel. They can get broken off. The Gentiles can be grafted in. And broken back off again. And broken back off again. Because they're not, yeah. Because, and why is that? Why, this is actually, this is something that people miss Which doesn't, it's not the same as losing your salvation. Right. Because, yes, yes. And here's why, is because the the tree that Paul describes is a changing tree. And he talks about how he, he puts himself as an example, as that, you know, has God forsaken Israel? No, he talks about himself, how he was like an unbelieving branch, but he was put on. And he understands that 
being part of the tree is based on faith. So now, but, now this is where a lot of people get mixed up, though. And the reason why is because people say, well, spiritual Israel, you're only part of spiritual Israel. This is a term that people love to use, spiritual Israel. You're only part of spiritual Israel if you're a believer. But that this is not what Paul's talking about. There is, yes, is there a spiritual nature to the covenants? Absolutely. New covenant, Torah written on the heart, yada, yada, right? But there is a temporal side to the covenants as well, which is if you keep the commandments, you, I, you'll, I'll give you the land flowing with milk and honey, you'll prosper, so on and so forth. If you break the temporal covenant, that is break the commandments, what happens? I'll kick you out of the land. You'll be in the land of your enemies, so on and so forth, right? So there's two sides to this. Being part of Israel, being grafted into Israel. Now, and this is this is a point that my father, you know, he, he tries to stress. A lot of people miss this. He tries to stress this. Just because you're grafted into Israel, that is God's Israel, does not mean that you have land rights or that you're all of a sudden part of the nation, the current nation of Israel or anything like that. That's not what that means. Israel as a nation in God's eyes, as opposed to Israel as a nation in the physical world today. Right. If we if we're going to ask, are we going to ask a human court to decide who's Israel and who's not, who belongs and who doesn't, or does Yeshua do that? Yeshua does it, and we see it in Isaiah, right? He separates the the lambs, you know, the sheep from the goats. That's right. But anyway, yeah, that's a it's a good topic. Okay, um, let's... here's here's the point: is that if you, I mean, here's another picture would be like in the forty years in the wilderness with the the twelve spies, right? Everybody knows the stories of the the twelve spies that go into the land. Joshua and Caleb come back and they're like, "We got this. God promised it. It's done. All we need to do is obey and go in." And the other ten are like wanting to stone those guys, right? And say we can't do it. You brought us out here to die. Okay. During those life, the lifetime of those ten spies, they enjoyed because God was watching over Israel as a whole. Those ten spies enjoyed participating in the larger blessing of Israel, but they weren't going into the promised land. Right? They they were cut off ultimately. Whereas Joshua and Caleb went in. That's there's just a it's just an it's not exactly the picture of the tree, but the point is is that an individual can be can be, participate in the blessings even though ultimately they're not a part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. just, that's what I have you to know, say. About I, I got to go back because Eve says, this was talking about your selfie uh, analogy. Eve says people lack excitement in their lives. I completely agree with you. This is Yvonne over in, in, uh, in, in the UK. I completely agree with you. And I think that this is a major problem. And I think that this is one of the reasons that we see, it's not just excitement. I think that we, that society today and people today um, are, you know, mental health issues, uh, depression and or not being able to cope. You know, a lot of people are uh, the product of a, a one parent family, things like mm-hmm. that. These kind of things affect the way that we deal with issues and, and stress in our life, all those kind of things. Yeah, but people lack excitement in their lives. This is absolutely right. One of the things that I think is important for us as believers, and this is any believer. I don't. I don't think you know this. I'm not. I'm not talking to preachers and pastors right now. I'm talking to all believers. 
all believers should have a very strong working understanding of what the gospel message is, how it applies to their life, and how to share it with other people. And every believer should pray regularly, Lord, bring people into my life so that I can share the gospel with them. Bring people across my path. Because you know what? If you're constantly, if you, you know, and uh, who is it? Um, actually, I have, the, oops, I have the book right here. Hang on. This is a great book. Jeff Vanderstelt, Gospel Fluency. If you haven't read this book, uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful book. Um, and basically one of the things that he talks about is preaching the gospel to yourself. You know, we constantly have to preach the gospel to ourselves because the enemy tries to give us doubt on our salvation, on who we are, on the gospel, all these kind of things. So we, we preach the gospel to ourselves, but we also preach the gospel to others. And if we are, if we have gospel fluency, we get excited about it. He brings up the example of CrossFit. You ever met somebody who's, who, who does CrossFit or have you ever met a vegan they won't, they won't shut up about it. It's all they talk about. Oh, is it CrossFit? Oh, CrossFit. Oh, CrossFit. Or, you know, or what about, you know, the vegan in your life that just constantly talks about their vegan diet. Okay, great. But I don't point, have one of those. <laughs> I have several. The point is, is that uh, we talk about what we get excited about. What we're excited about. If we travel a lot, then we talk about travel. Maybe it's woodworking. Right, right. Maybe it's who knows? Maybe it's CrossFit. Maybe it's your diet, being a vegan or being on the paleo diet or something like that. You talk paleo Hebrew diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You talk about what you're excited about. Unfortunately, people in the Hebrew Roots movement, and sorry to pick on the Hebrew Roots movement today, but you're but you're getting it. You're, yeah. Um, people in the Hebrew it's Roots movement. It's not a person. They it's get a, they get excited idea. about these uh, about nonsense. Don't get excited about nonsense. Get excited about the gospel. We should be preaching the gospel constantly to people around us. That's the point. And so if we if we are praying, Lord, bring people into our lives and across our paths so that we can share the gospel, and we're constantly looking for those people, guess what? Life is exciting because we're excited about the gospel and because we're able to share it with other people. That's the point. Okay. Um yeah, she says, and Yvonne says, I just don't get why being accepted by him isn't the most exciting thing ever. And it should be. That's the gospel message. Exactly. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. What do we have well here? Put. Nicole writes in, and she says, I'm wondering if you could help me with some further clarification on a couple of scriptures regarding the Sabbath. I've had a few people attempt to challenge me recently with Matthew 12 and Mark 2, 23 through 28, and I have, been, I have to be honest that I do feel that I need some further clarification on understanding of these passages. When I read the plain text on a surface level without really doing a lot of research, I have to admit that it doesn't seem, uh, that it does seem, I'm sorry, it does seem a little confusing because in a way, it sort of does sound like Yeshua is basically saying that David broke the Sabbath and and it was unlawful with uh, and did what was unlawful with the showbread, and it was no big deal. So everyone just needs to relax and stop being legalistic about keeping the Sabbath. I truly want to better understand the meaning of these passages, so that when I am challenged by others who oppose keeping the Sabbath, I'm prepared with helpful and accurate answers. Well, this can be difficult, right? Because here's here's one of the things that I've I've noticed about these kind of conversations. You will never have the same conversation twice. 
You can prepare all the scriptures and all that kind of stuff, but someone will always go down a different road than the last person did. So it's almost impossible. to Bible fluency and gospel fluency is the best thing. Read your Bibles, people, right? That's, I mean, that's the best advice that you can, that I can give is read your Bibles. It's interpreted by experts. Okay. Um, they, uh, she goes on, she says, uh, I, uh, would you mind sharing with me how you explain the meaning of what Yeshua is saying in these verses specifically? I'd like to hear how you would respond when others challenge you with David doing what was unlawful with the showbread, as well as Yeshua's statement about how man was not made for the Sabbath. And lastly, how Yeshua says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, because I often hear others try and interpret that Yeshua as Yeshua saying that he's the Lord so he can break the Sabbath if he wants to. And email. Oh, right. Okay. That's, yeah, that's the, that's where the rubber meets the road right there. Does Yeshua mean, if we could just zero in on that, does that sound like a, a, an idea that actually makes sense? That Yeshua would think in his heart, I could break a commandment, and it just because I want to. Does that sound like anywhere in the scripture? Is there anywhere else in scripture where that would even cohere with an idea that even an unbeliever who reads the Bible would they would they at the basic surface level meaning of anything in the text? Yes. Hang on, I got one for you. Okay. Answer, I got the answer to that because Sue writes in and at the end of her email, read her whole email or later, but at the end of her email, she says also in John 5.18, John states, he broke the Sabbath. My pastor makes a big deal out of this and says, if John says it, it must be true. But isn't John also speaking in regards to the oral Torah, not the written Torah? There's a lot going on in that question. Right. Okay. <laughs> There's so, a ton going on there. Yeah. So the idea is... Well, and there's numerous pieces of uh, numerous facets that have to be addressed. One is the vocabulary. Now, our English says not lawful. And I think that's the NASB is not lawful. Um, let me see here. While you're looking for that, I want to read this comment. Jason in the chat room says, question, David was anointed three times. Is it possible that Yeshua's reference to David and the showbread, perhaps a reference to the fact that David has authority to do so as a priest? I would say no, and the reason why is because David's not the only one who ate. David well, gives, yeah. Here, David gives it point. to his men. Well, not, okay, so lawful, the idea of lawful does not based on the idea of Torah. And, and we see this, for example, well, all you have to do is you have to look up the Greek, because I don't know how else to... Because um, it's not the word law. Right. In other words, it's not based on the word law. It's It has to do more like, is it permitted or something? But it's referring to general uh, popular or even group expectations, not, not necessarily the literal commandment. So in Mark, because the first one we're looking at is Mark, right? Then, then John 5. Sure. So Mark, in Mark 2, it is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. Okay, that's uh, verse 26. So we could say, does the scripture say that no one, but 
the priest can eat that bread. Well, it says that it's for the priest to eat. That is true. But what's, what is happening here? The context is David was in need. This is back to 25. Yeshua says David, he was in need and his companions and he and his companions became hungry. That's the context. But it's not just that there was a human that was in need and became hungry. Otherwise, you could Yeshua could argue that anybody, you know, if anybody's hungry and in need can go to the priests and uh, they maybe they'll give you some of the showbread. No, that's not what Yeshua's point is. He's saying this is David. David had been anointed like the, the person in the chat room had already pointed out. David had already been anointed but was fleeing because he refused to raise his hand against yes. God's anointed king, Saul. Yeah. But David was the true king of Israel. You got, yeah, you got multiple things going on here because you have biblical authority in, in play here. You have obedience by David at play here. And you have a human being in need in play here. All three right. of these things are going into this. Right. So this is, this is a very specific situation but ultimately, that Yeshua is pointing okay, out. Okay, hang on just a sec, though. But don't you think ultimately Yeshua's point, because Yeshua's saying, you know, he's going back to the idea of if your, donkey, if your enemy's donkey falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you help him pull it out. In other words, generally, he's, he's yeah, yeah. healed. He's healed he's, someone on the Sabbath. Yes. And, That's and, generally true, but he's but this is specific because here's another point to the the passage from Samuel is that when did they pull the bread out? It's a Shabbat. Hmm. The priests pull the bread out of the holy place on Shabbat and eat it, and then and they have prepared already new bread to go in. So my view even though it doesn't specifically say, I believe that the reader and the hearers of the story in Samuel understood, oh, this must have been a Shabbat because that's the day that they'd have the bread out for eating. So so not only, so there is another way that this actually applies, that it's a Shabbat and you have David and you have David who's living a life of obedience, like you just pointed out. He's, he's not going to... Uh, strike God's anointed. So he's living in, in a, uh, he's homeless, but not homeless out of anything other than a desire to love God with all his heart, soul and strength and to trust in God's timing. That's the context here. I, so, I, uh, I think that the, 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 the point that's being driven home by Yeshua ultimately is that God's, that the Torah is not this rigid it's not as rigid as the as the accusers are trying to make it right in, in other words look david's in need it's a shabbat he runs to the priest the priest gives him bread which normally you wouldn't have happen but you know what he was in need he was uh trying to respect biblical authority and so god sees this as okay not a problem in the same way you're not supposed to work on the Shabbat, right? You're not sp supposed to work on the Sabbath. But if your enemy's donkey falls into the into a pit, you you need to help him get this donkey out of the pit. It's a life. It's not even a human life. It's a life. In the same way, I'm healing on the Sabbath. And guess what? Guess what's more important? The fact that this person has been afflicted 
for X amount of years. And guess what? I'm relieving this person of it. So yeah, we'll get, we need to get to that in John, John five. Let me, before we go to John five, here's the path from first Samuel 21. David just says, give me, I need some bread or whatever can be found. And then the priest said to David, there's no ordinary bread, only the, the consecrated bread. Right. And he said, it for, and that means it's a Shabbat. He says, if only the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered, the priest said, surely women have been kept from us previously, etc. The young men are holy, though it was an ordinary journey. Um, and then it says, the priest gave him the consecrated bread, for there was no bread there, but the bread of the presence, which was removed before the Lord, which happens on Shabbat, in order to put hot bread in its place when it was taken away. So this, the point is, you, it doesn't have to tell us that it's a Shabbat because we know that that's, it's a Shabbat that, that, that this happens. So, and, and, and it wasn't like, here it is. There was like, are you guys holy? Are you guys, uh, you know, there's, there was a, some sort of assessment that the priest was not just going to lightly give this away. Anyway. So if we go to, to the other passages, John five, this is the one that, Caleb, you were just talking about a situation like that where you have a person who, it says in verse 5, for 38 years, he had been ill. And he's at the the pool of Bethesda, which apparently archaeologists say this is on the north north of the temple. Um, and, and this man was uh, looking to to be healed and Yeshua healed him and it was on a Shabbat and what happened? It says, where did the guy, they, well, first they get upset because he's carrying his pallet, but I'm looking, it says, uh, where does it say then later? Oh yeah. Verse 14. Afterward, Yeshua found him in the temple. Yeah. Okay. So why did the guy go to the temple when he was healed? I think he went to pray. I think he went to rejoice and yeah, to, to worship. worship. So Yeshua restored a person's ability to go and worship. That's the big picture here. What these... Uh, the religious zealots here are zeroing in on uh, that Yeshua said, pick up your pallet and, and walk. They're zeroing in on that saying it's the Sabbath day. Da, 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 da. They're missing this restoration. So. Yeah. And that's the same way uh, the NASB says it's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. Can I just tell you that the chat room is on fire today? Good. I mean, these guys, are they've basically already had the full discussion on the Colossians passage of Lord of the Sabbath. So we don't need Colossians. To... Isn't it Colossians? That... Hang on. No, that's Matt. That's Mark 2. I'm sorry. What did they say? Oh. I, I just saw a reference. Oh. Anyway, you want to jump in here for a few seconds while I look at something else? Sure. So, but uh, it is the same word in Greek there in nine in John 5 10 where it says it is not permissible it is not lawful but it does it's a word that it's like it's not 
it's not kosher in our view. What's the what's the Greek word? Existent. What? Uch existent. Uch existent. It is not existent. Because is the word. because who was this? Sue also asked about John, uh, Acts ten twenty eight that says, uh, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with a, or to visit anyone of another nation. That's a different word. Ethimeniton. Ethimeton, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a different, that's a different but word. But that also is, and if you look, you can just look at BDAG for this one, not to be sanctioned, not allowed. Uh, okay. What am I looking at that I, I got into the... Oh, you want to look at the... I just thought you could look at the chat room while I... Well, I oh, hit the, this. Oh, the break, the break Shabbat. We didn't do that verse. Okay, go. That where is that? That is. Do, 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 do. Oh, John. Oh, verse eighteen. Yeah, John we, 5, before we move away from John five, we have to do that. Yeah. Um, for this reason, therefore, the uh, Jews were seeking to all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath but was also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So obviously, this is this is their rationale. Right. What John is describing is the rationale of those who were seeking to kill Yeshua. That's that's the reason. If, if, if you want to take this to mean that Yeshua broke the Shabbat command— in the same way that the man gathering sticks in the book of Leviticus, or book of Numbers, broke, was it Numbers 15? I don't remember. Where he, where the guy gathers sticks and then they don't know what to do and then they stone him. So you got to decide what side you're on when you read John 5.18. Are you on the side of... Well, there, for, first of all, for a pastor to say that Yeshua broke the Sabbath, that means that he's not the spotless lamb. You, Which means, yeah, or you're he, saying that it's not really a commandment, right? So, either he's not the Messiah and couldn't pay for sin, or the Sabbath was never a commandment. Which and we know not it only was. That not only that, it would take away Yeshua when Yeshua in like let's say Mark seven or Mark fifteen when he's telling Pharisees he's roasting them, saying that they put their traditions and nullify the commandments of God. Exactly. You're making Yeshua a hypocrite, right? Because what he's doing, he's saying, well, it works. It's okay for me. I can break the Sabbath, which is one of the Ten Commandments. But you Pharisees, your traditions, you cling to your traditions, and you break the Ten Commandments all the time, right? And and Isaiah calls you uh, that you're honor, honoring him with your lips, but your heart is far from him. So you would have to— you. This is yeah. interesting. Actually, this ties into something that Sue writes here. So she remember, she says, my pastor makes a big deal about this. And says, if John says it, it must be true, but it's, uh, it isn't John also speaking in regards to oral Torah. And then Joseph in the chat room says, uh, he was carrying inside the gates a private domain. The warning not to carry is not to exit the gates that, that the passage states was nearby. So this gets into the idea of how much oral Torah, and we can't really use the word. I understand what Sue means when she says oral Torah, but you can't really use the word oral Torah because it brings up these ideas that the Mishnah was it was already a thing in the first century. I don't think it was. And yeah, I, you have disputing groups at this point, right? And you, you have you don't, they're not all. You have different clubs, and what and, and you know they do, and they they have their different real rules and different. We know that just from right. the Qumran group alone. And yeah. so then the question comes up: Was the uh, was the commands of an Aruv, 
which is which is the commands that Joseph is talking about, were the were they already established in the first century? I don't think that the the uh, idea of carrying inside or outside in a roof doesn't. I don't think it comes around until later, personally. Well, it it there is an effort even already in the first century, because and we know this also from from the Qumran to define what is acceptable for a for a Sabbath day's journey. Absolutely. And, there's a, hint, and we, there's and a we, hint of that in Acts <clears throat> chapter one, right? Where it says it was a Sabbath day's <clears throat> journey. And um, you and, wonder why. It, it, I completely agree with you. And we also have the idea that this guy picks up his bed and and they freak out, right? So he's he's carrying on the Shabbat. There's no doubt about that. But the idea that you could carry within, you know, the the, the Talmudic idea that you could carry within uh, city gates but if you went out the city gates you could carry this much but not this way i don't think any of that was established that was not a i mean we don't have we, we know this we know that it it ruffled the feathers of these people that saw this right yeah but the point is, is they he were picks up, up his, arms about they, he picks up his bed inside the inside the gates and they freak out anyway it's not that he w- was leaving the gates he's going up to the temple right so well, I mean, yeah, and I don't think the picture is that he took it all the way to the temple. I mean, if you look at, like, at the Israel Museum, they have the outdoor model of Jerusalem in the first century, and they have what do they think that, you know, basically, well, they know where these pools were, on the north side, but they kind of have a little reconstruction colonnade around them, and so, yeah, we just we're just not told, you know, we're not told, but the the idea of imagining this guy to schlep his his, his bed all the way to the temple, yeah. all the way up to the te- yeah, that's not the picture we're supposed to be taking away here. He's taking his pallet away from the pool, you know. He's 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 moving out. I mean, he's been this is a place where he's been hanging out, right? He's been here for a long time. He's like, "Get your stuff. Get out of here." And uh he didn't have a home, maybe. I don't know, you know. So I, to me, in the end, back to verse 18, if you want to say, yeah, this John's staying here, the Yeshua broke the Sabbath, um, that's just, it's so bad theologically. I don't think— If you're going to say that John is actually telling us. The but thing the fact that, the, is it's a clause. This is exists only in a, in a, a clause— but here's the point. Even giving the reason why these people want it's the rationale of those seeking to kill him. If Sue's pastor were to say this in any re- reformed Baptist church, the reformed Baptist preacher is going to stand up and cry foul. Your modern day Sunday keeping Christians are likewise going to say absolutely not. There's no way that he broke the Sabbath here. If he broke the Sabbath, he wasn't the son of God. This this is standard Christian theology. This isn't this isn't anything new. It's not like it's not like this is a uh, you know like a messianic teaching or anything like that. All right, let's move on. Uh, why so don't here's you... a question. Here's a question, Caleb. If let's say for you know just for argument's sake, let's say yeah, I believe this means Yeshua broke the Sabbath. Therefore. What do I do with that? What are my options? Let's say I take that, that that's what John's saying. Like, like it sounds like Sue's uh, conversation partner was saying. Does that mean, so now I can break the Sabbath? Does that mean the Sabbath itself endures, but we can just break it? Which is different than saying the Sabbath doesn't even, there's no Sabbath anymore. No, what it would mean, what it would break down to is Yeshua would not be the Messiah. 
and his his death on the cross didn't affect anything and we would still be waiting for a messianic figure and all of that he would be a false teacher which means that we would not follow him and all of these stories would be moot and and rejected anyway so then we just go back to uh you know the right. Tanakh, and that would be it. You throw away and, your and, New Testament. And John's gospel introduces us with John the Baptist saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, sin of the of world. Sin of the world, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Why don't you jump in the chat room and take a look? I know that okay. you... I wish we had music for this. I wish we had chat room music. So, so that... Uh, so okay, that, I'll look. There's a lot here, so I'm just going to go to the newest stuff here. So You know, Sue gets the award for uh, most comments, and yeah, anyway... Uh, in the story of the woman caught in adultery, <laughs> and we've talked about the woman caught in adultery at length. You can find it on our on our channel. In this, uh, so there is a huge debate whether or not the woman cult, caught in adultery is actually scripture or whether or not it was added to manuscripts later. From the evidence that we have, it was added to manuscripts later. And I bring this up all the time. Daniel Wallace says that uh, it's the greatest story not in your Bibles. Oh, all right, yeah. Anyway, she says, in the story of the woman caught in adultery, one messianic author suggests that Yeshua used the loopholes of the Torah requirements for two witnesses to free the woman guilty through uh, though she was. This is presented to counter the uh, conventional idea that Jesus ushers, ushered in some new law of love and dismissed the Torah. Well, I would agree with that. If we say, let's pretend for a few seconds, and I've said this before as well. Yeah, we've covered it, but... Um, let's pretend for a few seconds that this story is 100% biblical and it's in our Bibles exactly the way that it happened. Okay, well, you have multiple problems with the story. First of all, where's the where's the dude? She's caught in adultery and you don't bring the guy with you. Something is certainly amiss here. That well, that yeah, that's the other point. The other the other side to the story is that every example is them trying to find. They're they're trying to trap him on something. Right. Someone made the point. Uh, Jason made a good point. He said uh, they didn't even bring it up in a trial. They never brought Shabbat breaking. They just they they brought up blasphemy, you know, right in his trial. So, um, uh, but but with the woman caught in adultery, where are the where are the witnesses and where's the guy? In other words, she's either being falsely accused or she's in on it with them, and it looks obviously from the story that she's being falsely accused in order to trap him. That's the point. So, um, yeah, he was uh, he was disturbing their the status quo of a lot of different groups. You know, right. wherever he went, he would teach. There wasn't a monolithic. We got to remember there wasn't some monolithic Judaism, right? There was different groups that had different levels of excitement. Just like today, you know, different groups are excited about different things pushing their own, you know, kind of maybe end times picture or messianic hope picture, or we just need to be more pure and religious picture. But they're all dealing underneath Roman occupation, right? So that none of them are in power. That's, that's the, that's the thing too. So how do they, how do they get traction with people? They have the same way teachers today go around and sell snake oil, you know, they sell their little sensationalist picture, gather a following. This is why and, it's so important to be part of a, a local community with good, with good elders and pastors. 
because there is a spiritual covering there so that when the snake oil salesman comes a wandering through, your pastor and your teacher can say, this person is should not be listened to. Okay, Sarah writes, uh, anyway, the purpose of this email, she, she wrote something before and it was a lovely message. Thank you for the message, Sarah. She writes, the purpose of this email is to, and she's addressing one of our previous shows called Bad Words. She says, the purpose of this email is to share some thoughts with you on bad words. I was thinking, well, if you wouldn't call your child a ding dong, remember that I said I substitute certain words for other words. And one of the words that I use is ding dong. We also use the words with the word coconut. Um, anyway, uh, if you wouldn't call your child a ding dong for cutting out in front of you in traffic, why would you call someone else that? I completely agree. The problem is, is that I call my child a ding dong. That's, I mean, those are the heaven for pain. Uh, this is, uh, that's the reason that we use those kind of words is because they're not harsh. In other words, I can say to my child, what? Oh, come on. Don't do that. You're being a ding dong. Right. In the same way. <clears throat> the point that my wife has made is don't use different words for people. You know, you need to be a G rated all the time. Your Sarah's point is what, you know, it's the intent of the heart. That's true. I completely agree with you. The intent of my heart is not to wish ill of the person. My intent of the heart is that I'm frustrated because people come from Oregon and Vancouver and don't know how Washington drivers drive. And therefore, uh, do things that we don't do in Washington state. It doesn't matter where you are. If, you know, if you live in, if you live in New Mexico, I'm sure that the people from Texas seem like the worst drivers to you and vice versa, right? <laughs> if you live in Washington state, the people from Oregon are the worst drivers in the world and the people from Vancouver are even worse. But it's and I'm sure that the people in Vancouver probably think that Washington drivers are the worst. And the reason why is because we're used to the way that people in Washington State drive. So when you get somebody from Oregon, they're they're they're. <laughs> Do we have any Oregon listeners? Dude, they're totally oblivious. Right. They you know they drive slow. They they're totally oblivious. The people from Vancouver are even worse. They don't they don't. It's like there's there's no awareness <laughs> of what's New going Jersey on. New Jersey drivers in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Peter's That's, got it. I, that. I, I'm scared to drive in either of those places. The point is, is that I'm not hoping ill on these people or anything like that. What I'm frustrated about, I get frustrated about the way that these people drive. And I can say, and that's why using words that are appropriate, especially around children or anytime is very important. Hence, my wife's want to use words like ding dong. And yes, I do call my children ding dongs every once in a while. And they call me a ding dong. Which I would say is probably more accurate than me calling my children ding-dongs, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Did I just kind of go off on it? Okay, anyway. Uh, Rosie wanted to know about the 40-day tradition. Well, okay, let's read this because, I mean, I wish I had the, I wish I had the SCI's song Rosie right now because it's such a good song. Anyway, okay, I probably couldn't play it on air anyway because... The cheese would probably hit me with copyright infringement. Nobody knows what I'm talking about except for me and maybe Rob. It's okay. Just just roll with it, people. Uh, Rosie says, would you please address the 40 tradition of annual repentance on the Jewish dates of Elul 1 through Tishri 10? I am in a Jewish roots group, and the teaching is that this is a biblical pattern for us to be following. It is taken from the times Moses repented after the golden calf ordeal. I don't see where God's word is calling us to, to do this each year. 
Of course, repentance is always good and, and draws us closer to our Lord, but is this something that God specifically calls us to each year or something that man has adopted? It's something that man has adopted. This tradition doesn't come around until super late by the rabbis. This, I mean, super, super late by the rabbis. So this is, I mean, repentance is always good. You have uh, 40s being a number that tends to be um, used often within the Bible. But there's obviously we don't have a command. You need to have a 40 day time of repentance each year. We just don't see that pattern. Maybe, but even that might be a stretch. I would say, I think this is man-made. Cinderella man says Yeshua was rabbi. He taught in the synagogues though. Yes, I know the whole title was different from back then. Okay, sorry. I came in in the middle of a conversation. All right, well, our time is up. Are we, uh, I think we might have a show next next week. It kind of depends where we are. You know, we took off, uh, what, almost uh, a month and a half. We came back, Why did? And, and we came back earlier than we were going to because we knew we were going to probably take some time off in September because we got a lot going on. Rob and I are going to Ontario um, it's going to be a wonderful and joyous time. We cannot wait for it. At least I can't. I'm excited. I love the people up there. Really good people. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited for it. Anyway, I will get back on Tuesday from my little mini vacation with the family. Then we will have, like, I'll be in the office Tuesday, Wednesday. And be and like, we... What are we going to talk about? Well, and then, yeah, and then we leave Thursday morning. Now, so, are, so we don't know. For, are we for sure going to try to do a show next week? We got a good, I mean, we got a couple of good things we could talk about. Yeah, I guess the stuff we haven't. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get show notes on Wednesday morning, <laughs> that's how you'll know. <laughs> oh, man, we sure appreciate everybody who uh, who listens to the yeah, show. Yeah, and takes time out of your day to log in and interact with others. And If you're not subscribed to our uh, to our YouTube channel, Messiah Matters, please go subscribe to that. You can click the little bell that'll let you know every time that we post a video also we would sure appreciate a a good review if you like this show go to the itunes podcast store and give us a good review and uh, yeah that's about it um anything else i think that's about it it was a fun show as always we, I have that, a lot and of fun. just pray that this is a that our our not only for travel safety for Caleb and his family and for their time together on vacation, but also for our team's travel um, back to the East Coast, and that you know Yeshua's flock gets a good, uh, good nourishing, uh, encouraging, edifying, correcting if needed time together. Cinderella man says, I feel, I felt like I haven't seen a video from you guys in like weeks. I posted four videos. We took last week off, but I still posted four short videos and we've been back for quite some time. Um, but yeah, we did have a big, we had several weeks break, uh, break for sure. Yeah. All right, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and we will most likely see you next week. Um, and then the week after that, we'll talk about Ontario and how all that went. Uh, we hope that this conversation has done one thing and one thing only. Well, not only, but the main thing is to glorify our great God and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Yeshua sure, sure. shirt.